You're listening to Inside Outside Innovation, Episode 76. Tom Rideout, formerly with AAA, is now with Blue Rocket, which specializes in digital product design and development. Tom is also speaking at the Back End of Innovation Conference happening this week in Orlando, Florida. We invited him on the show to share about something we haven't addressed much, coordinating and engaging with boards of executives. Tom shared an exciting example of how to get them involved, and he also dived into how he was able to boast a 4 to 1 ROI ratio after his time at AAA. I think one of the most common mistakes people make working with uh, boards, whether they're internal boards, a set of executives put together to oversee you know, the uh, innovation effort, or if they're external boards that are really put together to you know, mine the uh, governance of an overall enterprise, um, th- I think the most common um, uh, mistake there is treating them as a group of, of auditors or critics uh, who need to be pleased? Um, that uh, you know, they they need to you know support. They need to be engaged, but they're an enormous asset. And so, when it comes to uh, commercializing an innovation, to be able to take it from incubation to production, um, to begin the process of scaling it, um, the boards need to have been set up, and they need to be your ally and creating the expectation among the executives in the organization that that's what their job is, to help do that, or plow the ground to be able to create uh, new operations that are tuned to deliver the new innovation. And boards mm-hmm. can do that mm-hmm. for you. Um, hey, that is so critical. I'm, I'm glad you hit that point, because we see a lot of organizations, uh, you know, when we were at the Lean Startup Conference in San Francisco last fall, I think there are more corporations there than startups. This is one of kind of the tipping points there. And and what you saw is there were a little bit of shopping, but but what you saw was people who were looking to add tools, right, to the baseline levels of the organization, their product teams, the labs, incubators, et cetera. And not all of them were equally figuring out how to equip their executives. Uh, and and to your point there, you have to be doing that in parallel, and it's not even a little bit before you get into actually how are we bringing in the right methods and tactics. You, you have to make sure the executives are coming along so that they're shifting their mindset and the types of questions that they ask, et cetera, uh, in this whole endeavor. Like so many things in change leadership, you're so much better off, rather than simply trying to inform and get their approval, of engaging executives and and boards into generative activity so that they're actually a part of the solution and and they're you know in general what you've got is this incredible asset of brilliant people who are among the best connected people you'll ever meet um, at least that's been my experience with boards and so what you want to do is get them off up off their feet and um, and, and engage them in you know, tapping that expertise and bringing their networks to bear on the solutions that you're providing. The same sort of thing that you would expect, you know, the venture organizations that lead startups, that's the exact same role that you need to kind of create the opportunity for boards to be able to, to do. I'll tell you a story. I, I had a, worked in an organization where 
one of the uh, uh, leaders of the organization who uh, had the primary board contact responsibility was frustrated because the only things that she could get out of them were occasional head nods and and, uh, one-word answers and so forth. And I said, well, let me give a crack at him. Have you been able to get him to stand up? And, and and move around and do things. And he said, oh, God, no. That just, you know, that doesn't happen. So, well, okay, let's have some fun. I mean, what can you do? I mean, fire me. I'm used to that. I'm in, I'm in innovation, for gosh sakes. And so we sat down and we said, look, you know, we trotted out. We're looking. We're working at a, a kind of refining our strategic intent. And so we took Larry Keeley's 10, you know, dimensions of innovation and uh I said, look, you guys, in this case, it was an internal board of insurance executives who knew their business as well as, you know, anybody on the planet. And we said, hey, you know what, let's do a shortcut. Instead of spending a half million dollars in in six months, let's at least get started by having you identify the areas that are most and least innovated um, in our space using these 10 dimensions. And they got off of their seats and they put little dots on the wall next to them and had a great discussion about what was and wasn't happening and and, uh, quickly identified uh, the two primary areas of focus that were under-innovated. The the price that I paid for doing that was having to throw them a bone for something, another area that was (laughs) over-innovated that they just really couldn't let go of. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, doing that kind of thing, um, they're just like everybody. They'll get enthusiastic once they start becoming a part of the activity as opposed to you know, the last thing you want to do is set it up as an us versus them and uh, justification using words like that means that you are not, you know, you need to create a collaboration with the board because they're, they they do, they need to be equipped and they have enormous assets in their, their own minds and their networks. So tap into their networks, use their expertise, get them out of their chairs, get them involved. Uh, anything else when we're thinking about rallying the support of leaders or boards that we should do, or maybe even things to avoid that maybe you've had experience <laughs> with in the past that didn't work? Well, you know, the, one of the challenges that, uh, yeah, so let me let me tell you something about most boards, particularly the external boards, if you go in and say, just like you would with uh, uh, a lot of internal organizations, and say, well, look, you know, last week we talked, last, you know, last quarter we talked about this. This quarter we're going to talk about this uh, other topic that builds on the last. That's an unrealistic structure for most external boards. And the reason is that they only really have an opportunity to turn their mind to what you're doing on about a quarterly basis. And so you have two avenues available to you to, to you can't pick up as if the conversation uh, had just stopped yesterday. You need to backfill, you need to refill, you need to remind them repetition and having core themes that they hear on a repeating basis that you can build off of are really the kinds of things that you need to be able to do to engage them. And you know, making sure you get the core right and making sure they're aligned with the strategic intent uh, that they are there to, you know, help you, you know, rolling out something uh, to to figure out how to clear the the way to get something incubated, um, or, or for that matter, for the top level staffing issues. I mean, one of the biggest failure modes for innovation organizations is that the top level executive who has sponsored them and been a champion for them leaves and is replaced by somebody who's less enthusiastic. Well, guess who's responsible for helping to replace those people? It's the board. And so what you Mm -hmm. need to do is develop their 
understanding of the importance of that role, what it fulfills, and should that event occur, that you've already got them, you know, understanding how to set objectives for innovation, how to measure progress against those sorts of things, so that you're not immediately brought back and snapped back into an operational mode. After wrapping up their discussion about executive boards, Tom and Josh shifted to talk about the phenomenal ROI ratio Tom garnered at AAA. If you are at all familiar with calculating ROI, you know how complex it can be, so Tom gave a step-by-step on how he did it with his team. Before I say too much about that, I will tell you I do have a, I do have a rule of, of thumb, a, a, a sort of a, you better answer this question before you invest too much in your financial models associated with innovation programs. And, and that is that if somebody is asking an innovation group for uh, detailed, uh, well-justified uh, financial models that you, uh, similar to what you would use on an operating business, um, they are probably really not asking for a financial model. In my experience, they're most likely actually um, expressing their uh, lack of support for the, the, like the concept of the innovation work, but they're basically, as, as often as not, that's used as an obstacle to either slow down organizations or to attempt to prove something that they believe to be too true but don't have any data to support. And so always proceed in financial analyses with great caution. You know, Clayton Christensen had a nice article with he and a couple of his uh, colleagues about um, how uh, traditional financial analysis kills innovation um, because you're applying, uh, you know, there's so many unknowns if you're actually doing something that's relatively new that you can't apply the same types of models to 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 at, in the early uh, going to those sort of models as they refine and as you test and as you start to answer some of the questions as you might through a discovery driven planning type of process um, then then you can begin to morph your financial models to to be something that's more familiar uh, but so let let me kind of dial back to uh, you know the first part of your question and then we'll return to the uh, those ideas and, and how we did the financial modeling. So the ideas actually came from a series of work that were done on industry analysis, a lot of customer visits, you know, rapid ethnography, spending time with consumers and understanding how they think about uh, the, the things that are of interest to them. In this case, in AAA, it was looking at understanding, you know, their under their 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 feelings about vehicle ownership, about taking vehicles to shops, about insurance, about all of the things that have to do with the broad AAA experience. And to be really blunt, the initial uh, effort in that area was really an innovation group that was focused on generating good ideas, but um, and doing some market testing, but not doing a lot of the execution. And that group was headed for trouble. And the reality is, if you look through that work, which I did, and we uh, extended it where we felt there were gaps, we kept getting the same answers about what the priorities were to consumers. And so we just said, well, let's let's focus our effort now on delivering on those things rather than you know getting the same answer or refine the answer about how best um, to deliver to that need as opposed to continuing to say, hey, we ought to be doing something here. And and this is a you know there's some great models for doing innovation, but I will tell you, most of them stop at the point that you actually start to commercialize a product. But things are completely different in that space. Mm-hmm. So 
um, we that that's where the ideas came from. It was primarily driven by consumer research and by research and participants in the business system and things that worked for them and didn't work for them and and um, how to engage them to be you know uh, people who would you know win by by playing with us. And we then started knocking them off, you know, one one product at a at a time, and learning from each. They all had a, they all the three of the four uh, were related um, in being in the automotive space. The fourth was a travel uh, related product, and so that's that's where the ideas came from. Uh, they were all market tested, went through extensive kind of early you know work and morphing and changing based on what we learned. And then the that takes us to the question of the financial modeling itself. And uh, what we did was we tried to answer the question: What would have to be true for uh, this product to be successful? Um, and we did that in financial terms about what sort of what what does the cost structure have to look like? What does the revenue structure have to look like? Um, and so forth, and use that to kind of build out the core elements of a financial model to do that. However, because um, to, to interrupt you there, were, were, were you were you just at that point there? Were you doing it precisely, or you're like uh, magnitude wise? We need to be at these particular levels. Yeah, so we're we're you know it's kind of it's it's hard because there let's say there are, there are five variables and and different combinations of yeah. them with different values for them. Um, could constitute success. And so what you have to do is then successively refine it by getting data from the market, by taking things out and mm-hmm. testing them and saying, well, how how much can we dial this in? Is there is there data from another business that we can use that's, um, you know, looking at the same spot and, and see if we can't find a way to, to refine it? However, the people who really wanted this information, though, were – uh, it wasn't the board that was after this. They, they find it very reassuring to, to hear that. They want to know that you've collaborated with businesses to uh, to get that information. But it was really the the people in the businesses who were concerned about moving from incubation to operations. You know, they they wanted to be able to immediately cast it in the context of their world of how operations work, and that's that's understandable. And so what we did was this was done. All of the values, all of the results were actually driven by inputs from the businesses. We did a lot of the homework and groundwork for them ahead of time so they could pull information in easily, but um, we had to do it through the businesses. Now, when they did that and we plugged the values into the system about what they thought were realistic assumptions, much to their surprise, the economic model turned out to be far stronger than they imagined it, it could possibly be. And so then we applied a lot of science and and cut all of the values about in half. (laughs) And they still remain profitable, but it left a lot of people scratching their heads saying, but that's not the answer I was expecting. I thought we were doing this. You know, and the context was kind of important here, which is that this was looking at the initial work was to look at about the five-year profitability. You know, would we be exothermic? Would we be generating profit in, in you know, within the third year of, of operations and would we recover the earlier years downstream? And we found out, in fact, that, that yeah, there no matter, you know, most of the assumption that you put in there, you, you, there's just not a way in this case to get out of profitability. But interestingly enough, 
we weren't doing these projects for the purpose of short-term profitability. We were doing them for the purpose of long-term relevance and survivability of being able to say, look, there are a lot of big trends out there in the automotive and insurance world, and we need to be out in front of them. We need to be able to evolve our value proposition to be able to stay current, relevant, and engaged with our consumers. And that's a payback that's much further down the line because you have to attain the market position to be able to get that type of benefit. And so this was a story about a self-sustaining set of products that would achieve a uh, strategic outcome. That's extraordinary, and that's what I thought was so cool about that experience. That's the end of another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for joining us. You can find Tom's contact info in the show notes. If you want to learn more about the team behind the podcast here at Econic, go to insideoutside.io or on Twitter at the IO Podcast. Until next time, go out and innovate.